not man. Man created religion. God established his church for his purpose on this earth to advance his kingdom. And so we've been looking at uh, his purposes for the church, what he's called us to do with our lives, what he's called us to do individually, and what he's called us to do corporately, what that looks like. And it's been a really great series. And we've been highlighting different people and different ministries every week while we go through this series. And uh, it's, it's been great to kind of put a little bit of a spotlight on these awesome people that are serving God with their lives, not to like pump them up or anything, but to praise God that there are people that are submitted and serving him and making an impact in other people's lives. I think that's awesome. I love that. I love that we have great people that serve here at Eastgate. And we're going to highlight a group of people this morning, not just a person, but we're going to highlight our worship team this morning. We have got a phenomenal worship team here at Eastgate Church. They're going to play some video footage for you to show you these guys in action. I love it. Um, I love what they do every week. They lead us into the presence of God, and they're working behind the scenes, practicing, trying to get better at what they do. I'm bragging on them right now while they're all running to the bathroom because they were just up here playing. So you have to tell them we were bragging on them this morning, but these guys are great. They make a great sacrifice to get up here and serve God with their gifts and with their talents to lead us in worship every week. And I'm telling you, first Wednesday coming up this week, listen, you want to be here for first Wednesday this Wednesday, because we're going to have an incredibly powerful time of worship. How many of y'all like being in the presence of God? If you like being in the presence of God, I'm telling you, you're not going to regret being here for First Wednesday this week. Pastor Brad's going to bring a great word. I might sneak something in there like I normally do. Um, We're going to have a great time of prayer. It's going to be an awesome time. You want to make sure that you're here for First Wednesday. God's doing powerful stuff in our First Wednesday services here at, at Eastgate, but we've got a great worship team. And listen, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I'll say it again this week. This is not some select VIP group of people that come up here to play, okay? There's no club that you have to be in. There's no secret handshake that you have to learn. Why are you saying that? Because if you've got a gift or a talent to play an instrument or to sing, listen, hey, Pastor Shelley is looking for people to use their gifts and talents to be involved in leading this church in worship. And, and maybe uh, you, you might not be ready just yet to get up here on the, on the, the platform and, and lead worship. Well, she'll help walk you through that process And they'll help you build and grow in the gifts that God has given you to get you to the place where you can minister. Here, I know Pastor Brad is looking for a great worship team and the student ministry. um, He's putting one together right now. There's a lot of places where you could use your talents and your gifts to serve God. And uh, we want to make sure that we get you connected to that if that's your thing. Cool? But hey, can we give God praise for our worship team, though? I'm just telling you, they do a great job. One of the reasons why we were talking about the worship team today, because we're going to be talking about worship today in service, I believe that worship is probably the most powerful thing that God has called us as a church to do. It's to worship Him. In fact, if I was going to give like a top three of the one, two, three of what I think would be the most important things God has called us to do, one would be worship Him with everything that we do. The second would be evangelism, to reach this world for Jesus. And the third would be to make disciples and help people grow in their walk with God. But it all starts with worship, because if we don't have worship, what what are we doing? It all starts and ends with Jesus, right? It all starts and ends with him. So we want to talk about um, worship this morning. If you've got your Bibles or your tablets or whatever you're using, open them up to the book of John, 
Chapter 4, let me read in verse 23. Just to give you an idea of how important worship is to God, we're going to look at this because I think it's important for us to get this. And not just, because when you, when you talk about worship, there's so many different things to come into people's minds. When you talk about worship, a lot of people, when you say worship, they think about a song. Or when you say worship, they're thinking about your response in an event in church, you know, and how you're, do you dance or do you don't dance? Is it okay to wiggle while you worship or whatever? Can you do a wiggle worship for God? I, you know, maybe as long as you're not wiggling too much, because wiggling and twerking, there's a line right there. I don't know if you can twerk for Jesus, but wiggling might be okay. Moving, you know, when, when you talk about worship, we associate immediately to our response in a moment in, in, in church, and that's a part of it, but that's not all of it. In fact, I would say that what we do here is actually an overflow of God, what God really sees as worship. And Jesus gives us a clue here in John 4, 23. He says, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. In spirit and in truth. It's an overflow of what's happening in your spirit in a true and in a sincere way. That's what the Bible says. God is looking for those who will worship him in that way. Now, that speaks powerfully to me because it means a couple of things. One, that it's important enough to God that he's going to stop what he's doing and look for individuals that will worship him that way because it's incredibly important to him. And think about God. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. Like He is the man's man, man. That's how, he, he is eternal God, King of kings and Lord of lords. He, there is no one that can compare to him, and yet he is looking for people that can worship him because it's that important to him. And the other thing that it says is if he's having to look for people that worship him that way, that means it's pretty rare. Amen. It means it's pretty rare for someone to actually have a heart of worship, to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I don't want to be one of those people lost in a crowd. When God looks over this earth, I want him to be able to look at me and in my life and say, that guy right there, he's the guy that's worshiping me in spirit and in truth. And everything that he does in his life, it's, it's, it's all about giving glory and honor to me. I want God to look down and see me. How about you guys? I want to be in that crowd. I want God to know that he's got one person. He's got people at Eastgate Church that are going to be people that worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's important because worship is incredibly important to God. And, and sometimes you have to stop and you, sometimes I say, well, why is it so important to him? I mean, I get it. It'd be nice to have people say, you're awesome. You're worthy. You know, I like people to tell me I'm doing a good job on stuff. And maybe you, you think that that might encourage God a little bit, but he doesn't need encouragement. You know, God doesn't need a pep talk. Because he's God. So why is it important that he gets praise from us? And here is a big reason. One of the big reasons is our worship is the only gift that we can give to God that he won't give to himself. Worship is the only thing that we can give to God that he won't give to himself. 
How many of y'all got kids? I got kids. And, and when you think, about, you think about having kids, they don't contribute a whole lot around the house for the most part. You know, like they can't do anything for you that you can't do for yourself. Uh, they, they try, and it's nice, it's nice to see them help out and do things. But overall, I mean, if a kid helps cleaning the house, it's awesome if they help clean the house. But you can clean the house, and a lot of times we have to go back and re-clean what they cleaned or, you know, fix what they're trying to do. I've got a, a four-year-old named Abby, and we're just on the backside of this whole potty training process with her. And she wants to do everything by herself. You know, I, I, did, I can do this by myself. I can do that by myself. Daddy, I did this all by myself. And that's great for some things, but you guys know as parents for a, with a toddler, what you don't want to hear is, Daddy, I went poo-poo all by myself. That's usually bad. You know, most parents go, oh, no. You know, that's something that we want to supervise and make sure that's happening properly because there's some cleanup on the end of that that needs to happen, and toddlers aren't always the best. So I said, when I heard Abby say that, I went, oh, no. Well, let's, let's go see. Show Daddy how you went poo-poo. And she was like, okay, come on. And I went up there, and it looked like a crime scene in that bathroom. It, there was just stuff everywhere, and I was like, how did you do that? It was just smeared everywhere. It was like she did her business, and even in the middle of doing it, like she just went and rubbed everywhere and got it on places of a toilet it's not supposed to be and on the floor. And, but she was just so proud. See, I went all by myself, and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. You know, so we, we had to do the cleanup process, and like Hannah's awesome the age that she's at right now, you know, but she... They don't contribute a lot. You're always constantly having to, to train and, and do things. And, and I'm looking at her sometimes when she's there, and I'm like, you need to get a job. I know you're 10 years old, but we need to talk about getting you to a temp agency so we can get you on and hopefully get you a full-time job, man. Because I, I got two girls, and it feels like I'm doing this all the time with my money on new clothes, new this, new that. I broke a toy. We got to fix this. And Hannah's like, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to play this instrument, and I want to play this sport. And I'm like, well, let's pick a thing to do and maybe not do all those things. And she's like, no, I want to do all those things. And I'm like, oh, great, here we go. Because you're constantly shelling out to, to take care of these things, and they don't contribute that much. But the one thing they do that as a parent is priceless to me is when I get home, they come running up to me, Daddy, 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 daddy. And they just give me these little little hugs. Or if I'm sitting around the house, you know, watching a, a football game, or if I'm at a table, you know, working on something, they'll sneak up there and try to work their way up next to me and then they'll hop up in my lap and do this little snuggle thing, you know, both Abby and Hannah. The other day I had them both sitting on my lap because they didn't one didn't want the other one to get all the attention, you know, so they just loving on me and giving me these little little hugs and these little kisses, you know, little snuggles and all of that stuff. Because they can't contribute much. But the one thing they can give me is love. The one thing they can do is show that appreciation to me. And that's what worship is to God. Because he doesn't need anything from us. But we can give him something that he can't give himself by expressing that love and that appreciation to him for what he's done in our lives. And that's huge because worship is our love expressed to God because of his grace towards us.
Worship is us expressing love to God because of His grace towards us. How many of you are grateful for the grace of God in your life? That's a priceless gift that He gave us. How many of you like getting gifts? I love getting stuff. I love when people give me stuff. What if today I gave everybody in this church today a brand new car? That'd be awesome. I told you, look under your seat right now, and there's keys under every seat in this place. Everybody's going to get a new car today. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah? Y'all remember when Oprah gave everybody in her show that was there in the audience a new car? Y'all remember when that happened? I want to show y'all a video clip of that this morning. Right now, right now, everybody in the audience, now listen to me carefully is being given a special package, and I don't want you to open it. Do not shake it, do not open, do not open. Take the box and hold it in your lap. Do not open. And now here's the deal, listen carefully. Inside one of these boxes is a key. Do not open it yet. If your box has a key, you will be the last person today to get one of those cute little G6s, okay? Who will it be? Are you ready? Hold on. Are you ready? JR is back in our audio booth. I want, you know, JR, this calls for a drum roll. Cue the drum roll. All right, open your boxes. Open your boxes. One, two, three. That's awesome. That place went crazy. They lost their blessed mind. They were freaking out over a brand new car. I probably was squealed like a girl, too. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that'd be awesome to get, get, to get a new car. But then I'm thinking, you know what? They're getting all jacked up and geeked up over a new car that was given to them. And they're all excited. And that looked like electric atmosphere in that place. And I'm thinking, that's cool, but God's given us a whole lot more than a car. Yet when you come in here on Sunday mornings in any church, it, you might see people halfway clapping or halfway lifting their hands or halfway singing a song, and it looks like they're there just to be there. And we've been given a whole lot more than a car, and worship is our opportunity to express to God the love that we have. That has nothing to do with the style of a song. It has nothing to do with the beat of a drum. It's got everything to do with our hearts crying out to the God that sent his son to die for our sins, that paid the price that we couldn't pay ourselves. He stretched out his arms and shed his blood 
Now you're telling me that a God that did that for you and a God that did that for me when we couldn't do it for ourselves isn't worthy of us to tear the walls off of this place and say, thank you for saving me. Thank you for doing what I couldn't do. Thank you for saving me from my hell that I deserved. Thank you for not just saving me, but the people that I love. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. And we're going to stand there and dare somebody to move us. This place ought to be electric. This place ought to be awesome. The presence of God ought to be in this place, overwhelming every one of us in response to our hearts, crying out to him, whether we're dancing or whether we're there just saying, God, Thank you so much for what you brought me out of. Thank you so much that I'm still here and I'm alive. Because some of y'all shouldn't be here today. Some of y'all should be dead. Some of y'all, the suicide attempt should have worked. Some of y'all, the depression should have took you out. The divorce should have wrote you off. But God has done a work in your heart. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of glory. Now, is there anybody in the place this morning that would stand up and give God 15 seconds of praise in the house today because he's worthy. He's worthy. And I'll be doggone if I'm going to let some people get excited about a car and save me when I'm worshiping the eternal God. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. Worships everything. Worships everything. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul breaks it down like this. Just a reminder, he says, hey, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Everybody say dead. We were dead. Every one of us dead in our transgressions and sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. I think sometimes we forget about that. Everybody in here deserves to go to hell on our own. Every one of us Every one of us deserved to receive the wrath of God because every one of us had sinned. And sometimes I think we forget that. And if we're not careful, that pride will creep into our hearts and we forget what he's brought us from. And we forget that we were all, all, all in the same boat. We all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. We got to be careful that we don't judge people and look down on people and mock people because they are dealing with the same, but it's just because they deal with a different sin than the one that God set us free from. You know what I mean? Because it's all sin. We were all in the same place. But I love that the story doesn't stop there. But because of his great love for us, God, everybody say, but God. Aren't you glad you can say, but God, about your life? 
man, I, I, I used to be addicted to something, but God set me free. You know, my heart used to be ripped into pieces, but God healed and restored me. I didn't know what I was doing with my life, but God gave me a calling and a purpose and showed me his plan. God did. I'm so glad that I can say, but God in my life, but God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. That's getting to the heart of worship. I don't need music to worship God. I don't need to be at a church to worship God. It's awesome when we're together worshiping Him, but I can worship God in my car. I can do it at work because worship goes deeper than songs. Worship goes deeper than what's happening in a church. Worship goes deeper than all of that. See, we don't worship for love. We don't worship for love. We worship from love. From love. Love is expressed through action. We don't have to worship God to get love from Him. And I think some people, they, they kind of mix, mixed up on how they, they understand that. We're not worshiping God to get some kind of favor from Him. We're not worshiping God so that He can love us more. He couldn't possibly love you any more than He does right now. He already proved it because He sent His Son Jesus to die for every one of us. The Bible says that He loved us first, and then He sent His Son because of that love. We're not trying to earn something from him. We worship from love to him because of what he's done. But it's proven and expressed through action. That means that worship isn't something that happens at an event. Worship is a lifestyle. That means that I worship God with everything that I do. With everything that I say. I worship God with what I do, how I, I, the decisions that I make, what I choose to, to entertain myself with is an act of worship to God because I want to please Him because of what He's done in me. Matthew uh, 22. Digging more into it, Jesus gives us, Jesus gives us a, a big nugget of truth here. He, he kind of pulls back the veil a little bit, and he gives us a peek at a secret weapon here for our walk with God and living an overcoming life. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Some translations say, in all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The first and greatest commandment. Jesus says, Let your love for God... Let your love for God be something that dominates every process of your life, every piece of your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The Bible says guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Let, let everything that flows out of your heart come from a motivation and a place of love for your Father. Let it be an act of love, an act of worship to Him is what He's saying. All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, everything that you do, let it be motivated first by your love for God. And he says, this is so key to your walk. This is so important to what I'm calling you to do. He says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. Because if you can get this right, 
everything else will fall in place on its own. Because if your motive for what you're doing is flowing out of love, out of your relationship with God, it's going to overflow, overflow into every part of your life. And the pieces are going to fall in place because it's coming from a love and a desire to please God. Jesus said, this is, this is it right here. But it's got to go further than just your response in a service. Romans 12, 1, Paul kind of breaks it down a little bit further, and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then look what he says. This is your true and proper worship. Lifestyle. To offer your life, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, that means we're still breathing, we're still kicking, but our whole approach to God, our whole approach to life is what I'm doing is a sacrifice of worship to you out of the love that I have for you because of what you have done in my life. Now that's the heart of worship. Jesus says, if you can get this, Paul says, it, it, worship is a heart thing. It flows out of your heart. It's a heart of worship. And we're all created to worship. The question is, what or who are we going to be worshiping? Because every one of us was created by God to worship. Him is in us. It's how we're wired. We're all created to worship. The question is, what or who are we going to be worshiping? We're going to be worshiping something in our lives. You know, anything that has a place in our lives where we esteem it higher than the esteem that we have for God or we love it enough to give it place of what God should have in our lives, the Bible calls an idol. You know that, right? God's not big on idols. It's not big on them. Um, you look at how he interacted with the children of Israel all through the Old Testament, and you just want to look at Israel and say, guys, Come on, just, let's get with the program. What, what are you doing? Yeah, because they, they would start off loving God and appreciating him, and then a little bit of time would go by, and they'd start looking at different cultures and what was happening in the different cultures, and they would start drifting over because of that, and, and they would begin worshiping other gods, and, and the cycle would take place, and then they would, they would get to the place where because of their rebellion, they would hit a wall, and things would fall apart, and they would come running back to God, and then they'd have this great season where they, everything was clicking, and everything was great with God, and then here comes the culture thing again, and they drift over that way and lean into the idols, and he was constantly bringing them back. Y'all saw that, right? All through the Old Testament, you see the cycle that they're in, and a lot of people get in this cycle in, in their lives. Not careful, it'll happen to you. Where the idols start to creep in, you know. And it seems crazy to think that they knew they were worshiping the one true God, the eternal, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, having experienced Him, and then they they creep over and start worshiping brass images and golden images that looked like animals that that God created. 
Now, we're not going to worship the creator. We're going to worship a piece of art that looks like something that the creator created. You know, that's kind of messed up. Why would you worship a bull? Why would you worship uh, a, a, an eagle? You know, why would you worship a golden serpent? Why would you worship uh, a tiger or a, or a lion? You know, why, why would you worship? It just seems crazy to do all that. But you know what? Every week, a lot of us worship those images too, except it looks like football team logos. It looks like this. There's falcons, there's panthers, there's lions, there's, there's bears, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Have you seen these people that just go ape, wild, just bat crazy over football, and it's got like this dominating place in their life. It's not like they enjoy football. Like, I love football. I enjoy football. I'm passionate about football, but it's got its place. It's got its place. And you, you're not going to see me lay out of church because of a football game. You know, you're not going to see me stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning watching a football game and then not get up and be at church the next day because I'm not going to let something have a place in my life that's going to affect how I serve my God. It's not going to happen. It's fun, it's awesome, but it has its place. And that place never touches this place that I have reserved for the God that gave everything for me. It's just not going to happen. Um, the problem is, and, and football is just a thing, football season starting, you know, and a lot, of, a lot of guys especially are going crazy. I am too. I love football. But it's got to have its place, guys. It's got to have its place. And it can't interfere with what God is calling us to do. If it does, it's called an idol. And it needs to go. Amen? Amen. So, but it doesn't always look like this. It can look like a lot of different things. The problem is, whether it's football or or it looks like something else, that thing that's coming into competition and taking place that should be reserved for God creates a problem with our worship, creates a problem with our lifestyle. Because if we're not loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, if something's taking a part of that, that's affecting, one, our worship to God. That's got to be affecting our relationship with Jesus. And it definitely is affecting how we are impacting the world around us. Because if something's wrong with the flow, it's going to mess with the overflow from our lives. In Philippians 1, uh, verse 9, Paul talks about, he says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding in the context of our relationship with God. That love to overflow. Because when we worship God he pours his love back to us and his presence on us and there's something that takes place inside of us and that love multiplies you hear what I'm saying and there's an overflow that takes place and that overflow impacts the lives of the people that are around us that's how they know there's something different about you and different about me because of that overflow that comes out of us that God puts into us and it looks a lot like this. You know, when we first come to know Jesus, if our spirits were a cup, it looked like this. We're all beat up, jacked up, holes gashed all in us, all dirty. Can y'all say this pretty good? Issues, wounds from life, you know. 
And what we try to do is we'll take these little band-aids that we create to try to cover up these wounds and these issues. So we'll band-aid them up to cover them up so we can look good to the people around us. But all we do is we cover the damage. We cover the dirt. We cover the holes. We don't do anything to fix it because we can't. This is how we come to God. Jacked up, damaged, dirty, looking all beat up with a whole bunch of band-aids, pretending like we got it together, and he sees through all of that. We can't fix it ourselves. And what God does is this. God doesn't come in and just repair all of the stuff that we cover up. He doesn't just deal with what's under the band-aid. He doesn't deal with all the holes. What the Bible says is what happens when we come to the Lord and we say, God, my life's just messed up, man. I, I need your forgiveness. I need your love in my life. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. The Bible says that he doesn't just fix this stuff, but he makes us brand new. Brand new. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. This ties into everything that we've talked about this morning. And so what happens is we, we stay little cup in love with God, and he pours his love into us. And that overflow of his love to us comes back out of us and flows out to all those around us. It's an overflow of that love through worship as a lifestyle. Make sense? But God doesn't just want us to stay right here. Okay, there's a process of growth that he wants us to go through. He wants us to move from little cup capacity to grow to big cup capacity. So that as he pours more of his presence into us, as we draw closer to him and we learn more about him, that capacity for his love in us grows. You, ever, you guys that are married, you remember moments in, like through the, the, the course of your marriage where you just looked at your husband or your wife and you just fell in love with them all over again in a deeper way. Or you look at your children and you're like, I just didn't think my heart could hold any more love for them. But then they did this and it was like my heart just grew. You know, that, that's what happens as you get closer to God. Your heart capacity grows. That means your worship capacity increases. That means your overflow capacity increases. But what happens is, if we're not careful, we get all the idols and all the distraction that comes into our lives. And this is where the devil's so tricky. He likes to get us distracted. You know that, right? You know that's true. Say amen. He likes, to get, he likes to pull his tricks, and he likes to distract us. So what he does is he throws something at us to try to break the overflow that God wants to see in our lives through worship out of the love that we have for him. And so he'll throw something in there. We picked on football, so we'll say football is one of them this time of year. So football starts getting a piece of our heart that belongs to God. So a hole goes in. Maybe it's not football. Maybe the hole looks like work because we want to have money to retire on and we're just focused on our career 
but we're so, we're so consumed about our career and throwing our lives into work that we don't even stop to think about God's call in our lives that goes beyond what we do to pay the bills and how our gifts and our talents can be used by God. All that stuff comes in and begins to pull away from our capacity to overflow in that way in the church to see other people impacted. And so what happens is we go and we worship and God's still pouring into us. And it looks like we still got some stuff happening here. But this is not overflow. Okay? This is leaking. This is not overflow. This is us losing our overflow to things that pull away from what God wants for our lives. And so, man, can, can I preach a little bit this morning? So these things become incredible detractors that rob us of our potential and rob us from experiencing God in a deeper way. And some people stay right here, little cup capacity, because their little cup gets so full of holes they can never go to big cup. There are people that have been saved for 20, 25 years, 30 years, and they are content with showing up, enduring a song service, listening to a message, and walking out unchanged, and they think they are going to crack open the gates of heaven. Listen, I want to tell you something that might scare you a little bit, and it probably should. You know what Jesus said about people that don't do the will of his Father in heaven? Jesus actually said this. This is Jesus. Not John the Baptist, okay? Not Paul, out of Jesus' mouth. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That ought to be sobering for every one of us. That ought to make us stop and think, okay, what's God's will for my life? And it's right there in Scripture. The closer you get to him, it flows out of your relationship with him. You can't be close to God and not do what he's called you to do. It all goes back to relationship time and time again. What Jesus is saying is it's not that you earn your way into heaven by doing the stuff, but it's that you're close enough to him to know to do the stuff as it flows out of your heart because of what he's done for you. It all goes back to relationship. Speaking of relationships, boy, I see more people miss out on God's overflow. I'm just going to put a lot of holes for relationships. Holy cow. You ever dated somebody you wish you never dated? You wish you could go back in time and say, don't do it. Run for us. You know, you make you, don't, don't, don't dive into that. People, they lose their focus on what God has called them to do because of relationship. It doesn't matter how cute they are. It doesn't matter how good the pants fit them. It doesn't matter how much attention they show. Listen, first question out of your spirit should be every time, number one, do they have a relationship with Jesus? All right, if the answer is no, stop. Stop. Anything that happens after that is just going to set you up for trouble. All right? And 99 times out of 100, you're going to be compromising your walk with God. They're not going to be stepping up to a higher spiritual level. You know? Well, if I date him, then I can get him into church, and God will change his heart. That ain't going to happen, honey. You might be the rare anomaly, but it ain't going to happen. I'll tell you what he's going to do. He's going to keep on being the same person, and he might show up to church to be there with you, 
Break it off with him and see if he goes to church. And he ain't going to show up unless he's going to stalk you. Then that just gets creepy right there. But it, they're not going to change. Make sure they love Jesus first. I'll never understand why people start dating somebody and then they just disappear. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? Like you got your buddies, you're watching football games, you're going out and doing stuff, and then suddenly somebody starts dating somebody, and you're like, where's Bobby? Well, he started dating so-and-so. Oh. R.I.P. It's over. You know? Listen, if you've got to trade off your friends and sell out your life to be with somebody, I'm telling you right now, that's trouble. Because if they're comfortable taking that, they're not going to stop taking anything else. They're going to demand that your whole life revolves around them. All right, it looks cute now, but it's going to be trouble later on, I guarantee you. And so I, I'll never understand why people stop going to church. Where, where's so-and-so? Well, she started dating a guy. Now it's not in church anymore. Your relationship with someone should never, never, one, hinder your relationship with God. Two, it should never take you away from what God has called you to do. And it should never take you out of church. Think about that. If it does, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. All right? You're letting something take the place that God should have in your heart and in your life. But I see a lot of people do it just because there's a tension. Listen, don't be so desperate you sell out your calling and your eternity for somebody that's probably going to dump you in about six months anyway. And so we sell out, and God pours in. And see, this is a crazy thing. We go to God, and we worship, and we try to get that relationship going. But we've got so many detractors breaking the overflow. It doesn't matter how much he pours into us. It's just going straight through us and leaking out. And we wonder why we get spiritually drained. And we wonder why we go through dry seasons. And we wonder why we don't hear God like we used to. And we wonder why we're not excited about the things of God like we used to be. It's because we've got too much leaking happening in our hearts. And it's affecting us. And we're not able to overflow. We're not able to let that love of God is supposed to pour into us and then flow out to impact the world that's around us. That's incredibly important, not just in what happens here in church, but what happens in our personal lives, too. We're supposed to live in overflow. Amen? We're supposed to live in overflow. How God's called us to live. You know, if you were a pastor of a church and you called me and said, hey, uh, I want you to come and preach either on a Sunday or a Wednesday and come on in, we'd love to have you. Are you willing to do it? And I say, yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to do it. Let me just check my calendar. Give me a date. The date works. I say, okay, I'm going to shoot you over a little, a little uh, agreement. You're going to show up. And how much money do you need to come minister? And I say, one million dollars. And you say, okay, cool, because we roll like that, and we can write a check that big. And that's awesome. Um, I wish. I don't think I've ever. A million dollars would be crazy. We'd have some church if we could get some speakers getting a million dollars every time we go out of here. We, we do some ministry. But so we book it, and then you call me back the next day, and you say, hey, you know what? I was thinking about it. Since you're out here, it'd be great if maybe you could do a little bit of training with my staff while you're here, maybe on a Saturday because you're coming on Sunday. Would you be willing to do that? And I say, man, that's awesome. Yeah, I can do that. That'd be great. I'll be out there anyway. I'd love to serve your church any way that I can, man. 
And you say, okay, well, let me shoot over another contract so we can get an agreement with that. And I say, look, you don't have to do another agreement. I'm already there. Okay? If I'm there, then I'm there. My gifts, my talents, anything that I've got, I'll give to you guys. We don't have to make an agreement every time. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it just so happens on that day, our worship team, the, the guitar player is not going to be there and we know that you play, would it be okay if maybe you sat in with the worship team too and, and helped us out? And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. I can do that. I need to practice a little bit, knock the rust off, but that'd be great. And you say, okay, that's great. We'll get you set up. All right, I'll send another agreement over there so that we know that we got, you don't have to send me another agreement because we've already made the agreement. And when I'm there, I'm there to serve. So anything I got, any talent, any gift, any, anything I've got, I'm going to give to you guys. If I'm there, then everything I've got is there. This is incredibly important for us to get. Okay? When God is there, everything that he is, is there too. Okay? Everything. All the gifts. All the power. All the healing. All the restoration. When God's in a place, every attribute of God is in the place. Okay? Now that's incredibly powerful for our lives because worship is supposed to be a lifestyle for us. Whether we're singing a song or not, God should be able to see our heart of worship. And the Bible says that He responds and He's there in the and, and He's there with the praises of His people, right? His presence is there when we worship and praise Him. That doesn't just mean when we're singing a song. That means as we're living our lives as worship to Him, His presence is there with us in response to that love that we're living. That means if He's there with us, then everywhere we go, He goes to. And as He's pouring into us, that overflow of who he is flows out of us to impact everyone around. Everywhere we go, healing goes. Everywhere we go, restoration goes. Everywhere we go, the opportunity to see someone cross from death to life goes with us because everywhere the presence of God is, all the attributes and all the power of God go with it. It's not just a one or another. It's the whole package. As we live a life of worship and His presence goes with us, all that goes with us too. Now when we come together corporately as a church and we worship God, it kicks to a whole other level. Because He says, where two or more are gathered in my name, what does it say? There I am in the midst of them. So one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. It multiplies when we're together. So if I show up, with an overflow of the presence of God in my life because my life is lived as an act of worship to Him. And you show up as an with an overflow and we get into this place together already full of the Spirit of God, already full of the presence of God. That's when it really starts to get fun because when God is here, every attribute of God is here too. And if I show up and His presence with me and you're, you're here and His presence with you and we combine together and we begin to worship Him together, 
together. Bondages start to break off of people's lives. Chains begin to drop because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. People begin to get healed. You're going to see wheelchairs put up because God heals and restores bodies. You're going to see life restored to broken souls. You're going to see broken hearts bended because where God is, all the attributes of God is. And when we come together corporately and we worship Him and we give Him everything out of our heart to please Him because of everything He's done to up for us and we forget who's on the right and we forget who's on the left and we just step into His presence because if no one else was here, I can guarantee you I would have the presence of God in this place because I would worship Him with all my heart. And if we all do that, whether that means we're shouting or we're just quietly standing and being in the presence of God and thanking Him, or it means that we get so excited that we just got to shout a little bit or maybe even do a dance of praise, as long as it's not distracting to what's going on, then we're worshiping God and it goes to a whole new level. And we begin to see God do the miraculous in this church because His presence is here in response to the hunger and the love of his church. Now, doesn't that sound awesome? Now, I love what I see here at this church. I love, I love seeing everyone worship the Lord. But we're all about next steps here the last few weeks, and I believe that God is wanting us to take a next step in our worship this morning. Not just to end the service in, in kind of an upbeat way, but to really take the next step For some of us, that means we're going to go from a little cup to a big cup. For some of us, that means we're going to plug the holes and stop the leaking so that we can begin to operate in the overflow of His Spirit in our lives. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Because God wants to do more in and through you than you could possibly imagine. we got to be in the position to let that happen. It's all about next steps. Everyone stand with me this morning we get ready to close we're going to end the service just in worship here in a little bit but before we get to that maybe you know increasing our our capacity or fixing holes in in our cup might not be the thing maybe you're here this morning and the next step for you is to actually have a relationship with Jesus because all of this is awesome, but it, you got to have Him first. It all starts with Him. I want to give you an opportunity to let that happen. So all across this place, bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around. I want to ask a question. Maybe you're here this morning, and the beauty of this question I'm about to ask you is you already know the truth. You already know the answer. Is Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? Do you have a real relationship with God? It's just an easy question to answer. It's either yes or no. And we all know the truth in our hearts. If you're here today and you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know the love that my Savior has for you. I want you to be able to experience His forgiveness. I want you to be able to feel alive inside for the first time. I want you to feel the the passion and the purpose that he gives. I want you to know what it means to be forgiven. 
you're here this morning and you know you're not ready to stand before God you know if you died right now you probably go to hell you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus when I count to three I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me because I want to pray with you this morning I'm not going to single you out or, or anything like that this is going to be between you and God and I'm just going to be a witness and I'm just going to pray you through the process so if you hear that's you Pastor Josh I'm not ready to stand before God I don't have that relationship but I want to have it. On the count of three, I want you to lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your eyes and look at me.